I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. In episode 101 of the Food About Town podcast, Derek DePorter, owner and head chef at Unter Beer Garden, came over to talk about his new restaurant, talk about German food in general, and also covered his path in the industry. I was shocked that I had never met Derek before he walked into the studio, considering all the places he'd been before and the time I'd spent at the Revelry while he was there. So it was really nice to catch up with Derek and get to know him a little bit better. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it out on social media. I'm at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram. Food About Town on Facebook. Thanks for listening. All right, so uh, weather update for Rochester today in early March. Seems like winter, but can't be that much longer. I hope not. I hope not, too. Um, and I've got a... Geez, your forearm's getting strong from those big beer glasses? My left arm is a lot <laughs> weaker than my right arm, I'm finding, yes. Yeah, exactly. So why don't you introduce yourself, sir? I am uh, Derek DePorter at uh, Unta Beer Garden. Is that the proper pronunciation, by the way? You know, I'm not German, but I'm, I have the I translate, and that's what it says to me. So yeah, Unta. That sounds good. I mean, it, 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 sound, it sounds traditional. It sounds know, right. We'll stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that you don't have the German, but you went to the translator app to exactly. get it right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, first off, why don't you, let's talk about what is it, where is it, and then we'll do all sorts of other stuff. Awesome. Uh, so Unta, meaning uh, under or below, uh, is the former Victoire, 120 East Ave. Um, and what we did is um, my father and I partnered up and purchased a spot and gave that space all the love and TLC it deserved and required and cleaned it up, gave it a facelift and rebranded it. Yeah. Here we are. See, I, I remember <laughs> I remember when Victoire opened yeah. and the city newspaper restaurant reviewer at the time, you know, I don't I'm I'm gonna paraphrase what he said, but I think he said the Belgian beer place that Rochester was waiting for. Mm. And I'm like I don't know if people were waiting for that or not. Yeah, you know, I think in all of its glory, Victoire, Victoire was cool. Yeah, you it know, certainly hit its moment. Yeah, you know, I think 24 drafts that are all Belgian beers a little aggressive. It's challenging. I mean, it's especially, I mean, for me personally, I'm not a Belgian beer fan. I don't like the profile yeah. of them, almost by definition. I think... Uh, I think it's like 5% of all beer drinkers are Belgian fans. Mm. And a lot of Belgian beers can be categorized as similar in flavor, sure. all high in alcohol, and all expensive. Um, yeah, they have that, that sweet character. You get that banana bread. Mm-hmm. And then even the lighter beers, like a wit beer, mm-hmm. I mean, they all taste like chapstick to me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's, they're just not for me. So, you know, we, we kind of looked at that and looked at what could be improved upon. You know, we... We're a beer garden, so we focus more on the German beers. So we have uh, six draft lines that are always German beers. Now, German beers meaning they are from Germany or German-style beers? German-style beers, I guess we'll say, because we have like uh, Bitburger, you know, Spaten, uh, Gaffel Kolsch. Those are our Germans. But then you have like a Jack's Abbey House Lager. Which, I mean, for those that haven't had Jack's Abbey stuff, I mean, they're such a rock-solid brewery from top Amazing. to bottom. Um, I've had very few things there I even partially disliked. Mm. And that house lager is kind of the, it, it's that crisp beer that people love, but it doesn't taste, you know, you don't get those off flavors you do from the big macro beers. Yeah. Um, it's a perfect example of, of that style beer too. You know, um, I don't know the story a hundred percent, but I could guess the story from, uh, what Nick, uh, the rep for remarkable told me is like, uh, the guys from that brewery went over to Germany and every night they went out, they were going to these these bars, and they were just drinking the house lager. They were just called house lager. So they went there for research on how to make, you know, lagers that they typically make, because that's all they make. But um, they ended up falling in love with this one style, 
And so they they put everything into that effort, and House Lager was born. Yeah, and it's like cut, dry, like perfect example of what it should be. And it, it's another. It's a place where if you don't want high ABV beers, I mean, I love an eight percent double IPA as much as the next guy. Mm-hmm. But something that they do very well is they have multiple beers that are low ABV mm-hmm. that are very enjoyable from their uh, after work to, um, I think it's, what is it, like Sunny Ridge or something like that. That's like a, you know, a summery, brighter beer. Um, the, there's so many lighter ABV beers that they make that are yeah. completely enjoyable. They do some cool stuff. You know, the IPL, you know, they, they try to have Which fun Which is delightful. It. Yeah. I love that one. They make some great yeah. beers. Not to just, you know... Uh, lap up uh, Jack's Abbey yeah. for this whole time, and but we they're love great. Jack's Abbey. I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, you're doing you're doing the German style beers on yep. the six. Yep. So then um, the rest of it is just kind of dedicated to uh, U.S. craft. Okay. So 24 drafts, one through 12. We don't have any pints in the entire restaurant, so one through 12 would be either half liter, full liter choice, and then the other 12 uh, would be your 16 ounce, 13 ounce snifters. One of the you know the the wrenches of the world are in there. So no pint glasses. No pint glasses. Oh boy, I love you. Yeah, that's fantastic. We also want to be something different. Yeah, you know. So you want to get a das boot? We got it. You want to get <laughs> <laughs> you want to get crazy and have a couple steins? We got those. So yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a uh, Super Troopers fan and you watch the movie, yeah, you can probably make a huge mess by drinking out of one of those things. Uh, well, we only have one of the two liters, which is scary. Oh, it but, has to um, be. We don't really hand that one out too often. Probably it's like the, the birthday best. boot. <laughs> it's gone to like two people for their birthdays, and that's about it. Yeah, probably for the best. It looks good on the shelf. Yeah, it doesn't fit in a dishwasher. Either. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, I mean, a, a lot of craft focus after that, which, yep. I mean, is obviously what people want right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, as I kind of intimated as we started, you're, you are doing the full leader Steins as well. Yep. yep. Which, you know, is a kind of a drinking experience. Absolutely. People seem to really... Love it. It's, we've gotten really great feedback from it. It's something different. Um, it's it's fun to watch people think that they can drink beer. <laughs> so then they crush one, and they're like, yeah. And then they get a second one, and, and they just, that's it's like, it. No. That's about it, yeah. But uh, other than that, you know, we have the throwback cans that we do to have a little something fun with it. Um, and uh, we have a super, super top secret beer list that doesn't exist, but yeah, I don't even know why I mentioned it. No, obviously not. You know, if, if somebody really has to have a, a Bud Light, yeah, mm-hmm. you have to you have the secret code word to get one. <laughs> grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> but we we do have it. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, there is there's still a place. I mean, it's not it's not anything I ever think of anymore, but it's I, I think it's it's weird you self segregate your your where you spend your time mm-hmm. and you forget how many people that that's all they order is yeah. American macro and blank and blanks. Yeah. And I've I've almost completely separated myself from that world. When I hear it, I'm like, wait, what what did you just yeah, say? Exactly. Did you actually just say that? Yeah. Um yeah. I mean, I'm a snob <laughs> I'm a snob by definition. Um, but it's it, it's weird how jarring it is and how sometimes you get separated away from that side of um that side of dining, which is the vast majority of what people want. You know, and that's what that's what it's all about, really. We have yeah. to give people what they want, you know. Can we strongly suggest to somebody to have a Bitburger, which is the Budweiser of Germany? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and of course we do. But if somebody's dead set on, hey, I'll I'll drink six Bud Lights, and I'll pay a premium for them. Yeah, okay. All right, you're, you're not going to complain that much. Don't twist my arm; you can have it. You yeah, know? and it's, it's I I get it. It's 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 kind of tough when you have. Um, when you have standards, yeah, you know, we have a vision and, and, and you know standards of what we want our what our dream of the restaurant was is, you know. But um, you got to appease people, right? And when you're also you're you're a business first and yeah. foremost. It's really for my dad's friends that my my old man has a couple friends that are like, hey, I'll drink eight Coors Lights. <laughs> so like when they come out, we have to have it available for them. I guess. Boy, I so. hope that was an accurate. I hope that was an yeah. accurate um, I'm from interpretation. I'm from three one five. That's how they talk out there. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so German. Yes. Um, one, I'm interested. How, how did you end up choosing German as the uh, venue, and mm-hmm. uh, how did how did that how does that kind of it obviously fits in with the environment. Yeah. It feels really comfortable, mm-hmm. and I think 
you know, switching from, you know, Belgian to German, it still feels like it could be a German place. Yeah. Um, how, how did you end up picking a German vibe? Um, I've always loved German cuisine. Um, I'm not German at all, um, which people are always thrown off by that. But I just, they're like, why, why a beer? I'm like, I like it. Yeah. I, I like beer and I like sausage and sauerkraut and um, schnitzel and all that good stuff, you know? So, um, when we originally went down this path of looking for a restaurant, my father and I, we weren't thinking of beer garden. We looked at a few different spots in town, um, worked on things, things fell through, plans changed. And then next thing we know, we're walking into Victoire. Um, and that place just screams beer garden. Yeah. As soon as I walked in there, between that patio, which I think hands down is probably the best outdoor space in Rochester, um, just that feel in there. It just feels like a you know the communal tables you know you can just see people just crushing steins when I walked in there. Well, it does have that those hideaway spices too, which yeah. are you know it's kind of there's very few places in Rochester that have as cozy as small spaces. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like there and um, oh wow, why am I losing the name? Uh, you know the British place on Park Ave, Old Toad. <laughs> Old Toad. <laughs> Old Toad has those like those yeah. little alcoves, and very few places have that kind of feel. The building has so much character, you know, um, being the Rochester Club. It's just, it's a little creepy at nighttime with the lights off, but it's <laughs> it's really, really cool. And, you know, the whole maze to get back to the bathrooms actually is fun. I, I always joke with people when I can see them walking around their loss. I'm like, we do that to keep you sober. Like, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's cool. And it, the place is definitely, it feels right being a German-centric restaurant. Um and we're having a lot of fun doing the food and putting our twist on a classic. Yeah. So, I mean, starting off, um, and to your credit, I think that you haven't hid the fact that you're you're sourcing from Swan Market from your sausages yeah. Yeah. and uh, what was it? I think Amazing Grain for the yep. for the pretzel for yep. at least to start with. Yeah. So, oh God, that was a whole other fun story. Is, uh, when we purchased this space, we got we got everything that was in there, and Ryan, I just assumed that there was a mixer there. There wait, 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 wait a second. <laughs> you that one? That's a very reasonable assumption. Yeah, I assume there would have been a big mixer, but there wasn't. Oh, and those are really pricey. Like we're talking like the full size bread mixers. Like yeah, like a, mixers? like a forty quart or a yeah, fifty yeah. sixty quart. Um, so in order for us to make pretzels, we would need something that large. Um, and there isn't one. So I was like, oh, that's okay. Like Brandon makes them over amazing grains, and they're awesome. So we'll start that way, and then we'll work our way up to it. And after uh, three days, my cooks looked at me and they said, hey, chef, um, I don't think we should ever make pretzels. And I said, I don't think we ever could keep up with it. You're right. Oh, I mean, I mean the we're, going, we're going through like 50 pretzels a day. He <sighs> delivers it like basically every day to me. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 a it's a lot of work. And I, I think, you know, I it's something that one, it's great if you ha- if you can do it. Oh, absolutely. Um, that was the goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but plans change when you open a restaurant and. It's just crazy how many pretzels we sell there. It's yeah. insane, but we put our twist on it. You know, we we um we pick them up in beef fat. We fry them in beef fat, local oh, really? beef fat that we render. So Ooh. it kind of gives that nice crispy texture on the outside, super light and airy on the inside, and you get that nice beefy flavor that it gives it. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I did not know that. Now yeah, it makes it me really makes it a little bit more special. Makes me really want to go in and get yeah. that. Yeah, because uh, deep fried pretzel is one of those things where once you've had it, you're like, oh, right, this is like exactly what you should do to exactly. a pretzel. And beef fat makes everything better. So yes, it does. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's really anytime you're frying in, you know, animals or saturated fats, the just the texture and the richness that comes off Absolutely. of it. It doesn't, and it doesn't have to be greasy per se. No, and it, it's just that it, it does. It does act differently chemically than mm-hmm. you know our unsaturated oils do. I'll give Kevin McCann that credit. He got me hooked on it. Uh, I mean those 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 fries, fries, yeah, those fries are just dynamite. Yeah, and it's like anytime you see like duck fat fries on a menu or something like that, it's that same kind of technique. It's like naughty good. Oh, it's delightful. Yeah, so we uh, we do that with the pretzels and and teamed up with Barry for our sausages and what what a good friend they've uh, they've both turned out to be and a good alliance. Uh, yeah, we're definitely showcasing their products and um, a lot of the feedback we've gotten is you know. We're so glad that you're using Swans because we can never get there before it's closed and it's too small and we can never get a seat. So this is a people love it for the fact that we have it. Yeah, and again, it's the kind of place where if 
Um, if again, if you haven't been to Swans, one, you absolutely have to go there. You have to go there. It's an amazing spot. Uh, it's on Parcells, yep. just off of Culver. It's only half a mile down the road, mm-hmm. um, and it is quintessentially uh, a old school butcher shop. Yeah, and the kind of products that they make out of there are unique for our area. Very unique for this area, you know, blood sausage, head cheese. The oh. things that you can't find anywhere else. That I mean, vinegar head still cheese. Oh. See, I'm not a vinegar head cheese guy. See, I, love I like the a vinegar. nice plain head cheese. You like the plain versus? Yeah. See, I I think just that vinegar in the aspic really caught mm-hmm. me, and I'm like, oh, just just that pop to yeah. go with the richness. Oh, I love that one. And then the blood <laughs> and tongue too. The blood and tongue one's oh, great. Oh yeah, that's my favorite one. <sighs> Steer that off for breakfast. Ooh. Oh, it's really tasty. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's the again it's old school German, and they're making so many different kinds of things there. Um, and you know, you've got a good selection, um, obviously of some mm-hmm. of the, some of the, I don't know, the greatest hits almost basically are, yeah. but they've got so much breadth of selection that they make all the time. Um, and yeah, pe- people go tons on Saturday. If you happen to be off during the week, go, go at lunch for sure. Get there early though. The old Germans take up the chairs. Yes. Drinking big steins of beer in the middle of the day. Yes. Which I mean, is really the perfect old German thing to do. I wish I was there with them. <laughs> Honestly, every day doing the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's one, people people who are either in the know have been around or food nerds, they know how well they do everything. Mm. And it is kind of nice that people get a chance to try it somewhere else. Yeah, you know, once again, it goes back to I wish we could make all of our own sausage in-house. But at the same time, we don't have the space. Yeah. I mean, you definitely need the space for it, and I'd be making sausage 24-7, which wouldn't be a bad idea. But, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of other things we try to get done, too. So if we can't make it, we try to have the very best, and that's kind of the standard that we've been setting along this, this path with this restaurant, you know. And it's not to say that you can't do specials occasionally no, and do other stuff. Absolutely. You know, um, so Wednesday's Worst Day, so we uh, always feature our worst special. Um, Kevin's actually been making me... Uh, we, we have fun with that every Wednesday, having something different from uh, McCann's. Beautiful. Um, but eventually, on the bucket list is we're buying a, a smoker and putting that in it because we have room for a big smoker. Mm. And we at least want to make one sausage in-house. That's that's the goal. Start with one. If we can master one for the Wednesdays or maybe just make it a knockwurst and you know ease into making our own um, full-time, that, that's the goal. Well, I think that's also um, the, way, the way you... Uh, framed that I think is kind of important and one of those things that I think people need to appreciate more is that do the things that you can do really well and sometimes overextending and being perfectly ambitious is not necessarily the best way to give the best food to the people. Absolutely not. That has bit me in the ass way too many times. Yeah. Like I remember, oh God, when we first opened the Revelry, I was trying to be all... So that was... Four or five years ago, which of course we'll we'll talk about your past a little bit more. Yeah. But five years ago, I was trying to be all whimsy, and it's like powders and gels and foams, <laughs> and it was like I had to take a step back and be like, "What the hell am I doing?" And it wasn't working; it wasn't executing right. So we just had to go back to ba- back to basics, you know, right? And really just focused on. The ingredient, and that's what I started doing there, and it became very successful for that. Well, that's I, I remember. I I think it was God, probably in the first month when I went in and wrote about it. And one, I thought, I mean, was well executed at the time, but yeah. it's when you when the volume gets it's, heavy and you're trying to do all that stuff, it's very challenging. I still have nightmares from the very first <laughs> New Year's Eve at the Revelry. <laughs> I literally thought that was the end of my career. Yeah. It was it was rough. Just j- everything fell apart. It was way too ambitious. Uh, five course tasting menu, and we were overbooked. And it was like Ooh, five then we, courses. But then we ran out of like all the desserts. <laughs> and then so then I was like, just get desserts off the regular menu. And then we ran out of all of those. <laughs> so it was it was really embarrassing and very bad. But you live and you learn. And then after that, that was our only that was our only big hiccup. We yeah, but that, that's struggled like that again. <laughs> that's one. That's a phenomenal night to do that. Oh, it was so bad to get to to get a brutal night. That's a terrible night to do. It, it was the worst. <laughs> um, and and it's it's weird now. It's weird now that you hear it in retrospect. You're like, 
five course tasting menu on New Year's Eve? It was five course, but then they could choose their what they were eating each course. Oh, I think there was like two, two or three op- options oh. for each. It was so stupid. <laughs> it was the dumbest thing I've ever done. I was going to say, five courses, even if it's all set, is hard enough. No, they had choices. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had like two or three for each course. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it was dumb. So you So in... Instead of condensing the menu so you could make it easier on yourself. So it's like everybody got... (laughs) Everybody got everything because you want variety at your table. Yeah, it was ridiculous. (laughs) It was horrible. Oh, that's great. I'm going to laugh about that for a while. I had two circulators. One of them was broken, but we got it fixed, but it really wasn't fixed, so it actually overcooked everything. Oh. <laughs> so I like smashed that into a million pieces. It was it was it was crazy. Yeah, that it sounds perfect. Bad. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I I I just wanna I wanna talk about that night for the rest of our hour. <laughs> no, please don't. I'm just bringing up flashbacks here. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh so so the rest of food. So we, we talked pretzels and sausage, and obviously yep. that's you know, when people think German, that's that's the first thing people think of. Yes. But German food is so much more than that. Yeah. And obviously, you're going to do some classics. You're going to do some twists. Yep. What, what kind of angles are you taking on it? Um, I mean, well, we did a classic uh, Wiener Schnitzel uh, using veal. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it the, the, ro- the proper way. Um, real classic preparation. We do a, a warm potato salad with it, but kind of a little bit unique. Um, just, you know, fingerling potatoes, house-made creme fraiche, pickled red onions, a little mustard, something nice, light, and uh, crisp. Um, but then we have things like uh, we're doing fried chicken now. I just changed the menu, and uh, they eat fried chicken in Austria. They typically flour egg wash breadcrumb it, but, you know, we're doing it kind of like southern style. Because sure. Because I, I just can't get over how much I love fried chicken and how much <laughs> I miss it. So, but, then you know, we're pairing it up with what they would traditionally pair it with, and... Um, Things like that, you know, having fun with making different spatzels. We were making beetroot spatzel for a while. Oh, interesting. Um, so, yeah. So, are you learning a lot about German cuisine as you've done this? I have um, and continue to. Um, one of my favorite restaurants down in New York is uh, Blagant's, which is Kurt Gutenberger's restaurant. Um, really, really cool feel of that place. It has like a pubby kind of feel to it. Um, super casual Austrian cuisine. It's really nice. But then he also has, you know, a two Michelin star restaurant, so it's kind of a little crazy on that aspect, too. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah, but, you know, taking a lot of influences from people like that. Um, he also has, he also runs the beer garden at the Standard Hotel. If you've ever find yourself in Manhattan mm. and need a beer garden, that's the one to go to. It's the coolest beer garden ever. Interesting. So yeah. what 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 about it? What's What's striking to you when you think about it? Well, that was a big influence to what I wanted Unta to become. Eventually, hopefully, it will. Um, you know, like when you walk up, so it's actually it's below the standard hotel. So like you're below a high rise. So you have these rafters, big beams and stuff mm. that you're underneath, and you walk up to just a like a little looking outhouse kind of thing. And there's a girl in there, and they have T-shirts, but they look like fake Lederhosen's kind of. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> and you buy tickets right there, so you get tickets for beer or for food. And then you walk in, and they have a whole bar that has just beer. And then they have another little bar that has craft cocktails, and there's ping pong tables, and it's all communal seating, and it's just really, a really cool experience. It sounds like a great hang. Yeah. Which, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the more people can focus on actually just having a really good hang. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes it makes people want to stay. It makes people want to hang out. For sure. And, that you know, we love that, you know, the way we kind of set up Unta is that we have the two entrances, which Victoire never used the one entrance, which we love it that we have two. So, we have so what, what's two the other entrance? I didn't even know there is another There one. is. So you have the main entrance that everybody knows. We've labeled that beer hall. Okay. So that's where all your communal seating is, our bar. But then there's another entrance a little further down that's labeled the dining hall, and that takes you right into the fireplace, right into the, to the dining room, basically. So if you want to have that quiet ex- dining experience, a little bit more you know, romantic evening, you can sit at the, in the dining hall, or you can sit in the communal tables in the, the beer garden and have uh, have a crazy time. That's a really interesting... I didn't even know there was a second entrance, yeah. and that... Um, it's like two different de- entities is how it's it an interesting idea. Up. Yeah. Yeah, something a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think part of the other reason why I was intrigued when it popped up was that I think generally Eastern European cuisine is very 
um, underrepresented, mm. even even despite the fact that we have you know Buffalo has a huge Polish contingent. Mm. Um, I think here in Rochester, I think Eastern European food is hugely underrepresented. I didn't realize there was such a large German community until we opened. Yeah, I have so many people coming in, and you know, and the feedback's been great. People are really really loving it and loving what we're doing, and um, it's kind of cool that that we can get more involved with it. Um, you know, we have people that want to do the German soccer clubs and. All that kind of stuff, and you get some of the older <laughs> German folk in there that have their opinions on on things that we want, we should be doing. But of course, you know, at the end of the day, we're a, a Bavarian, is what we kind of call it. You know, we're a, a new American cuisine with German influences, is what we want to be. So, well, I think that's it. Is kind of the way most places are going nowadays. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to be an arbiter of authenticity. Yeah, and to claim to be is one challenging, and two. I think usually a fool's errand, I think trying to make the best of what we have locally, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're doing local sourcing and things like that with our whatever produce we have around. Yeah. Well, it's not going to be the same. No, and we want to appeal to a lot of people. Kind of goes back to the whole Bud Light conversation. Yeah. You know, we want to appeal to people so we can take, you know, German ingredients and German technique and, and put our twist on it and, and have fun food. Right. You know, and a lot of it's plated fun and, you know, plated to share. And, and that was the whole idea behind it. We want a group of six people to sit at the communal table next to some other people that they don't even know and, and share some food and share some steins, you know? Yeah. And hopefully, uh, hopefully drink some Riesling too while you're at it. You know, let's hope they start drinking some more wine. Uh, <laughs> uh, my front of the house manager, Erica Wilson, she's amazing. I'm so lucky to have her, but she, um, she has her Psalm one. Um, Beautiful. We have another gentleman named Ian. He's one of our servers there. He is his Psalm one, going for a Psalm two, hopefully here soon. Beautiful. Um, we have great, we have a great wine list. We really do. Oh, see so, now, I'm I'm even more intrigued. That's my my last year has been um, nerding out on wine and getting to know people in and around the wine thing. I'm pretty proud of you know what we put together. Now, Eric and I tasted a lot of wine <laughs> and <laughs> definitely got burned out from wine. But I think we put together a pretty cool list. You know, I'm no wine expert. But uh, I know what I like, and it turned out pretty cool. And, and you know, representing you know the Finger Lakes, but also representing uh, some old school wines. Um, it's a pretty cool wine list. Yeah, I mean, in Germany too. Germany's a, another great yeah. source of wines that is again underrepresented. Mm-hmm. And we have a German dry Riesling on the on the on the glass list, so. yeah, which is phenomenal stuff. I mean, generally yeah. speaking. Um, it's, it's funny cause we put together this awesome wine list. Our thought process was, you know, the dining room would probably, uh, you know, a little bit of an older crowd, maybe a little bit more refined crowd coming from the RPO and stuff. And they're going to want wine. And that hasn't been the case. Mm. These older folks, like my parents in older age are drinking like liters of beer <laughs> and it's awesome. It's so cool to watch, but at the same time, like, oh man, I wish you would drink some wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a challenge when, when... The first thing that obviously people are latching onto is, you know, we're beer garden and they're yeah. there for the beer. So it makes yeah. sense. I mean, it's hard to complain when people are buying liters of beer. Not complaining right. at all. <laughs> Not complaining. Same thing with like our cocktail program. Like, sure. You know, Drew Perriman um, put together a great cocktail list, you know, doing some craft cocktails. And they sell. Yeah. I, w- I wish that we could get more of it. But at the same time, I understand it. We're a beer garden. Yeah. And people are there to get a big sign of beer. But you also, at the same time, when you have, again, I think it comes back to that statement you had before, when you say you've got a mission and you've got this, you know, there, there's a standard. I mean, you, if you're going to have a menu and you're going to have wine, mm-hmm. if you're going to have it, well, it's hard. You really want to do it well yeah, and not just have it picked by someone else. You want to curate it and exactly. have it be unique. Exactly. Because there's plenty of distributor chosen wine lists that are not, um, they're not interesting. Exactly. That's why we put a lot of time into it. Same thing with our beer list, you know. The cool thing is that we print everything in-house. Our beer list literally changes every day, multiple times a day sometimes, um, which is fun. And we get to do a lot of cool stuff in there, and we get to see a lot of cool cool beers come through. Right. All right. Well, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. We're going to learn some more about where you came from and whatever else comes up, and we'll be right back. Before we get back to this week's episode, I'd like to take a second to talk to you about Frankly. That's P-H-R-A-N-K-L-Y dot com. Frankly is the best way to find out how your favorite local restaurants source their products and also how to find your favorite specialty goods. You can check out restaurants like Joby and Coffee, 
Marty's Meats. Search for them on Franklin and find out where they source their goods from. Or you can check out your favorite specialty product like Guglielmo Sauce. Search for them on Frankly and find out all the locations you can buy their sauce all over. That's Frankly, P-H-R-A-N-K-L-Y dot com. And we're back. So uh, today we're talking to Derek DePorter from Unterbieter Garden. Nice. Say, look at that. I like that. It's I got German blood in me. <laughs> Make you say it every time. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> and that's in the old Victoire uh, location on East Ave. Yep. Um, I don't know. How else would you describe where that is? It is across the street from Salinger's. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's what I always say, because that's our that's our little dive bar we love to go to. That now. is a Rochester landmark <laughs> establishment. So uh, during, during the break, uh, Derek and I were talking for a few minutes, and we were talking about... Um, you know, experience either we've, we've had in restaurants, uh, good or bad, and you know, obviously not naming names, but um, I was talking about uh, some places here and elsewhere where um, I really enjoyed the food, but the service was something that was lacking. Yeah, and I was like, oh, you know, I really love the food, and I was the reference I was saying is that I don't usually care about service. Yeah, it doesn't excite me unless it hits that certain level of, you know, reading the table yeah. and engaging in a special way. Yeah, see, me, I'm the opposite. To me, I could have a mediocre meal and be like, okay, but if the service is bad, I'll never go back. You know, and maybe that's just me being a chef or being in the industry, but if I'm paying good money, I expect good service. And I am very, I'm not fun to go to dinner with. I agree. I'm the same way. <laughs> I am not fun to go to dinner with. I can be very difficult to eat out with. Yeah. Because I can't. It's hard to turn. I can't it turn off. it off. No. Nope. It's really hard. And when when I'm eating, like I I can't help but break down. Like, oh wow, why didn't why didn't you do this right? Why didn't you do this right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, are you cutting that corner really? Yeah. And it's, I I get why it could be annoying to people. Plus, I you know, I I still take pictures and <laughs> all that stuff. It's it is annoying. Um. I'm still shocked that the wife likes going out to dinner with me, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's challenging, and you know, I'm it's hard not to be opinionated all the time when you go out, and I, I want to enjoy myself. I, yeah. I really do. I mean, that's why people go out. You want to you want to go out and enjoy yourself. You want a, a night to to let loose and have fun and and, and disconnect, and that's what that's what the industry is all about. And, and that's why I think it's important to that service is that important. Right, because that's the direct line, and like you're not necessarily. I, as a chef, I'm not interacting with the customer. My interaction is through the server, so I need them to represent the brand and represent who we are as a whole, and it needs to be portrayed that way. You know, if if the service is bad, then then was that safe for the kitchen, or was that safe for the the chef or the owner? You know, how much of that comes down to training, though, too? A lot. You know, it, it comes down to a lot of training. Um, and plus, as much as I love Rochester, it, it's a little tough of the location, too. You know, we don't have professional servers here like you do in a big city. So it really does boil down to the training. You really have to take the extra step uh, and, and train your people, you know. Like, we before we opened Unta, we had four days of just training, you know, service training day, a beer training day, and a wine and food training day. Yeah. So you have to make time for it, you know. And I, I, it's weird. Like there's, there's definitely places where there are professional wait staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, when I say professional, not to say that they're, they're like their actions are professional, but they're these are this professional waiters. Yes, exactly. Um, and there, there's, there's a select places that do that, and For that sure. they do. A, you know, you notice the difference mm-hmm. that these people have dedicated their careers to being waiters. Um, you know, being wait staff. And it is notable when you when you see it yeah. because there there's this element of they've seen everything, mm-hmm. um, which is hard because um, you you think you've seen everything until you've worked in the restaurant business for yeah. twenty years as a in, as waitstaff, and because they've seen the best and the worst of everybody. I still think like I wish the government could make everybody work in a restaurant for one day. <laughs> Out of their life, just yeah. so they can see and, and understand what everybody has to go through. Like your waiters and waitresses and, and cooks and bartenders, like they go through some shit. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, absolutely. You know, and and they're there to make people happy and they're to, you know, hopefully give a good experience and, like I said, represent the brand that they're working at. And 
and and give you bring you joy. That's what they really should be. That's what they're trying to serve you. At least right. that's what I would hope. You know. Yeah, and I gotta say, I mean, there's it, it's weird when I say I don't care about service. It's weird. I, I will end up at places where I'm treated really well. Mm-hmm. And not not just because like you know I do food things I have you know the podcast or whatever else, but they you can tell that they're giving this service to everybody yeah. around them, um, and places uh, we were talking about I think in the break, um, I was talking about the Farmers Creek side I went out recently yeah. with the wife, I've had amazing experiences out there they treat you really well and I've learned a lot about wine out there, Mr. Cracky, um, Mr. Chris Cracky just just uh, just departed. Just departed Farmer's Creek side, yeah. moving on to whatever is next. He'll do great, though. I'm very sure. And it's weird. When I when I met him the first time, I, he was um, he was at Char. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd ri- I just wrote a review about the place. And I'm like, well, he's very formal. Yeah. And at the time, I, I didn't know what to think about it. I first met Chris when he was bartending at Good Luck. Okay. This was years ago. And then we worked together at Next Door. Bar and grill, and tastings, and yeah, I've known him for for years now. So when when do you, I'm gonna this is look at this smooth pivot. Now I'm gonna call it out because it's just a smooth pivot. Okay. So you said you met him at Good Luck. Yeah. Was that where you started, or no? I never worked at Good Luck. Oh, you just met him while you were going there. Yeah, he was bartending there. I think I was working at Tastings at the time, way back in the day. Before, this is the old prior school, to Burger Bar, right? The old school Wegmans. Um, I guess it was fine dining, right? I'm not sure. That was the most fun restaurant I've ever worked in, in my life. Interesting. See, I I knew it existed. I think I might have gone in once. Yeah. But I was like coming out of college at that point, you know. I had just moved back from Florida because I went to culinary school down there. Where are you from here? I'm from up here originally. Okay. And uh, I went down there, went to, to school, lived down there, worked down there for a while. We're then, in Florida. Orlando. Orlando. Oh boy! Yeah, I, I just saw the largest the most... tourist trap in America. Yeah, and I yeah. just I just saw I think it was the most depressing and enlightening movie I've seen in a <laughs> long time was the Florida Project. I haven't seen that. Oh, you really should see it. It's so yeah. Brief, brief movie aside, <laughs> this is one of the movies I thought should have been like nominated this year. It was a like slice of life with latchkey kids in the Orlando area that live in like the the week to week motels Mm -hmm. and you know obviously the dysfunction around them yeah but they just have like joy of like living around it but everything around there is like the depressing tourist trappings so tourist trappy and it's not like not the good tourist trap stuff Mm -hmm. like the the nice stuff this is like the you know magic palace you know motels (laughs) and that kind of stuff oh man what a great movie highly recommend check that out uh yeah if you were in and around orlando i think it might be uh, a good watch. I'm sure it would be entertaining. Yeah. So Orlando, a fascinating place to be. Well, being an only child growing up in Clifton Springs, New York, I wanted to get as far away from New York as possible. That is definitely to grow that. Up. And uh, I moved down there and grew up a little bit, I guess, and uh, worked for Emma Lagasse's restaurant down there for three years. And What uh, kind of place is it? It's his signature. It's one of his signature restaurants, based off okay. of his New Orleans one. So, gotcha. you know, but it's in it's in Universal Park. So you're like you're in a tourist trap. And Absolutely, you can't get away from it. But anyways, I was there for three years and then moved back and got hooked up at Tastings and was there for about another three years and that was just so much fun there. We never had a we didn't have a walk in cooler. So every day you literally took the shrink gun and went out in the grocery store and, and bought whatever you needed to make whatever you wanted to make. Really? It was pretty awesome. So we could come up with really cool specials and you know, as long as it was within reason and not going nuts, we yeah. could we could have some a lot of fun there. It was it was really cool. Kind of allows for almost unlimited creativity, especially when you're I mean you're attached to Pittsford Weggs, which is like just it's one of the, Wegmans. Yeah, it's one of the most expansive grocery stores yeah. around. So that was fun. I did that for three years and then left there um and helped a buddy open uh, Prime Steakhouse in Webster, Joe DeVito. Okay. Um, was there for about a year, and then went back to Wegmans. I went to next door. I was a sous chef there um, for another three years. Always like three years, I think, is my number. Was that was that when they opened? Was when next door opened, or partway through? It, I think they maybe had one year in them okay. at that point when I came back, because I left before they opened okay. next door. Because I was there for the shutdown of tastings, mm. and I left. 
Um, and then I was there for three years and then uh, was approached for the project for the Revelry. Yeah, and um, we were talking, I think, a little bit before we started uh, and how the Revelry was this. And I, it's one of the opinions I, I you know, I, I, there's a lot of places that cut ground here in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Uh, good luck being a great example. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the things that the Rev came in and did, you know, weren't they weren't groundbreaking. I mean, this was... You know, Good Luck had done a lot of that stuff. They they mm-hmm. were doing craft cocktails. They were doing all these things. Um, but it was a specific moment in time when the Rev hit where I think people got really into trendy restaurants. Yes. I think it, it hit this crescendo right when it opened. Um, and I take nothing away from Good Luck. I mean, it obviously you know broke ground here in Rochester. Yeah, sure. One of the most important restaurants in the last you know 20 years here. Absolutely. Um, if not the most important. But when the rev hit, it was so specific, and it caught the vibe of the trendy crowd yeah. at the bar, um, and the food was hitting right on that you know southern trend that was going on. It, it just was something hit, different for sure. Yeah, it hit everything right at a specific moment. It was a beautiful thing when that opened. Uh, it was insane, uh, and like you said, like we were, we were kind of leading the way in some things that we were doing. Like I. I really, I don't know how true the statement is I'm about to say, but I think we were like, when it came to brunch, we were like one of the first ones to start really doing brunch the way we were doing it. You know, chicken and waffles, I think I may have been the first person. Yeah, well, I, and I think then everybody was, started doing yeah, it. Yeah, I think there were, of of the, oh God, how do, how do I say this? Um, I, there's no better way of saying it. Of the of the white places, yeah. um, there, there were places doing it, yeah. just not on University and East Ave and Park yeah. Ave. Um, and it's, but now you can't walk into a, a brunch place that doesn't have it. No, no, no hipster brunch place doesn't have chicken and waffles. Okay. Um, and it's, I guess, there's, I don't, I don't even know how to say that right anymore, because it's, <laughs> it's not necessarily a hipster place, but it's, it's upscale. It's, I don't, it's, it's hard to describe it, but you know, it's our Park Ave, East Ave, University Ave area yeah. restaurants. Young trendy. Young trendy new American restaurants, new whatever Americans, yeah. whatever we want to call that. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean there's places you know, like the Arnett Cafe was doing chicken and waffles. Yeah. And doing a really good job at it. Um I, I still love to highlight the places that are doing that stuff really well. Um off of again, I it's not to say off the beaten path, it's just not where um, people that live on Park Ave typically end up going to. True. Which is kind of a shame. Yeah. Uh, I always love those places. Me too. I love um, the walls. Yeah. But yeah, brunch was, you know, when you guys kicked off brunch, I mean, doing shrimp and grits and doing all that yeah. stuff um, in a very big way was kind of impactful. It was it was a great learning experience, you know. Um, like we talked about earlier, is like... Um, I went too aggressive off the beginning. <laughs> I uh, I didn't bring it up. No, I, I admit to when I was wrong. And I was trying to be whimsy and molecular, and that wasn't right, you know? And then I took a big step back and thought about who we were and what we were supposed to be and what I liked about food and what made me happy. And, you know, when it, before we opened the Rev, I hung out in Charleston for a week or so and, and really just learned the cuisine and I got to work at Husk for a little bit with Sean Brock's restaurant and met him. That was inspirational and and something he's really big on if you ever watch like all the documentaries he's on TV now. Fascinating guy. I mean, even if you, and I would highly recommend actually reading some of the more recent stuff that came out about him. Um, Just some of the most raw reporting about a chef that I've ever seen and it was um, fascinating and brutal and... um, one of the more fascinating chefs in the country. Very cool guy. Um, Seems it. But he opened my eyes to the, to the ingredients, you know. So, you know, when I was at the Rev, we were flying up. Uh, Geechee Boy was sending us up grits, and Anson Mills was sending us Carolina Gold Rice, you know. And we were trying to get ingredients. I was trying to source ingredients nobody else was having, you know. We getting pecan truffles and Appalachian truffles and fun stuff like that that nobody else has. And, and that was really... Really what made me happy, you yeah. know, um, teaming up with Phil Bianchi over there at the Headwater Food Hub. and I mean, Phil Phil is um, Phil's crushing it over there. I, yeah. I love the whole team. And I think the uh, availability of local sourcing, uh, making it easier to access local sourcing here in town. Absolutely. Uh, I think has changed, uh, changed the game a little bit on how 
um, how easy it is for a lot of those places to get uh, local food. It's just cool to see how much they've grown too. Like when I first started using the Food Hub, it was in an infancy and like yeah. taking two years off of really being a, a chef and coming back to to this and and just seeing how much they've grown and the amount of products they have now. Like I used to be like, hey, you need to get mushrooms, Phil. And now he's got mushrooms that are always there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, and I, their, their facility is beautiful. I don't know if you've been out there to visit it. It's been a while, but yeah, it's uh, it's really something. I mean, their their storage is top notch, and I loved going out and spending some time out there. For sure, really interesting. So it's it's great to hear that you're working with them too. Yeah, I am. Uh, you know, not as much as I want to, but yeah, uh, yeah it's something you know we keep growing and keep learning. And you know, we're using all their beef fat right now, <laughs> which beautiful. we go through a lot of that for our fryer. So yeah, well, it's I think there's. There's always opportunities to, you know, transition and do more local sourcing, especially sure. as you grow. Especially when the se- when the snow finally goes away, it's a little bit easier. You know, you can only use so many beets and so many parsnips <laughs> and yeah, all potatoes. that stuff. He's always trying to sell me on potatoes. So well, if he's listening to this, Phil, I'm good on potatoes. <laughs> and yeah, he, he might be. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and it's I, you know, I've I've been enjoying working with them on my other project. Uh, frankly, mm-hmm. you know, um, learning all the places that they have an impact is uh, kind of opened my eyes to how much, um, how much they've affected our local market. Which they is really have. Cool. It's just so cool to see them, you know, caring about this area and putting it back into it and and, and really showcasing all the cool stuff that we have up here. Right. You know. Oh, so yeah, I mean, you're at the Rev for what was it again? Three years? I think it was three years. Three years. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of bounced around a little bit after that, right? Yeah, I kind of took a little break uh, to figure life out. Sure. And, uh, bounced around a little bit, did a little hang out with Kevin McCann over there, cooking some lunch with him for a little bit. And uh, boy, what a, what a place that is! Yeah, Kevin's a great dude, great friend, and uh, you know, even though I was cooking lunch, he still let me make sausages and hot dogs and have fun with those guys. And That's awesome. It was it was a great little time we had there. Um, helped out the city group there for a little bit with City Tavern. Sure. Um, and then just really started putting all my effort into this project, um, which took about six months before we finally got it done. Uh, six months is, I mean, it sounds a long like, time of working on this deal. <laughs> it sounds like a long time, but six months is also nothing in the scale of a lot of restaurants opening True. here in town. It felt like... An eternity because I really to wanted have. to get it over with and get in there. Well, um, you you are also in, probably involved more than you've ever been before in that part of it. For sure, You're like you know, I think this is the fourth restaurant I've been a p- opening part of, um, but never my own, with my own money on the line, and and you know, trying to call painters and tile guys and plumbers, and I'm like, you know, it was just a whole different experience. You know, like how how was the learning curve to you know, you're dealing with all the paperwork and all that mm. stuff. What? How was that learning curve? And obviously, you're just starting. Yeah, that's the crazy thing is you, you've been through all this stuff, and then it completely transitions over. Well, you know, I'm lucky. It's, it's a really, truly a family business. You know, my father is uh, invested it all into it. Um, you know, and my mother's retired, but she helps. She does all the you know the bookkeeping and stuff. It's really a family business. Um, and I just let my dad deal with the deal. My dad loves making a good deal. <laughs> He's the kind of guy that likes to go car shopping because oh. he likes to wheel and deal. So yeah. we let him handle it, and he has his input and has his fun with it. And uh, finally, we got through it. It is a certain kind of personality that likes going car shopping. He loves it. See, you know what? I, I like going and being a pain in the ass more than I enjoy the car shopping. Yeah. Because I, I'm an obsessive researcher, <laughs> and I'll go in knowing everything I need to know. Mm-hmm. And I don't really need them to tell me anything, but I still go in and I expect them to be able to tell me everything that I know. Yeah. And if they don't, I really dislike that. <laughs> and I also, you know, I'll go in and say, you know, I'm not buying anything today. I'm test driving and I am leaving. And boy, that just, it just riles people the wrong oh, yeah. way. Because I don't <laughs> mince words either. <laughs> I just make him do all the talking when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, it's not bad though, he right? He loves it. It's fun to watch. Yeah. I'm it's like, how did you make that? deal happen sometimes it's just asking (laughs) sometimes that it's it's easier to ask for permission than ask for forgiveness or well yeah sometimes easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission yeah and he's uh really 
instilled that saying in my head uh, <laughs> through this opening of a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I mean, you you've got you've got your new restaurant, yeah, and you know, lo- looking back over your time, what what are what are the biggest lessons that you're taking into opening your own place? Um, that I am not Superman, and I need the most effective, strong team. And I'm really lucky to say that I have a great team that we've put together. Um, that was probably one of the most challenging yet rewarding things about opening a restaurant was, you know, the interview process um, and just building this team. I'm so proud of the the, the, the team that we have uh, accumulated and and what we continue to do and what, what the future holds for us there. So, Yeah, it seems like the kind of thing there's a lot of opportunity and being flexible with you know, cuisine that I think is still underrepresented gives yeah. you some real chances to try out different stuff. And German cuisine's deep. I mean, it's not it's not a shallow cuisine. No, it's the cuisine itself has been a lot of fun. Uh, learning that aspect of it, um, teaching people about it. You know, bringing it, putting our mark on it, and what we do, and who we are, and the food that I like. Um, you know, and gearing up for you know we're one of the hottest little spots in downtown right now, and there's so many things happening all the time in center city um and trying to like we're getting ready for st patrick's day oh my god our german restaurant will become irish for the day and hard not to right on the (laughs) right on the route but you know then after that we're talking about doing a you know a spring fest and then after that we got jazz fest and then after that we got fringe fest and then it's like there's just so much always going on and getting ready for um once you get to st patrick's day you know our focus is on this patio and and really making the, the party come alive out there. Yeah. All right. Well, we talked all about Unta Beer Garden. Yeah. Oh, that feels really nice. That it feels, sounds so it, good. Boy, it feels comfortable. Say it again. Unta Beer Garden. <laughs> yeah, it, feel, it feels super comfortable. Um, maybe a little bit too comfortable. Nice. Um, it's the German coming out. Um, so, I mean, you've been in and around Rochester for a long time. What What are your places that you love to go to, whether it's high-end, low-end? Like, where Where are your places here in Rochester? Oh, that's a fun question. Um well, I will say I do miss Dickies. I know Dickies is there now, but I miss the old Dickies. The old before before they got like good food and everything yes. for a little while there. Yes. Like I, I am a hole in the wall kind of guy. And that was that was a quintessential hole in the wall bar. Yes. Yes. I had definitely it was it was a hole in the wall with an edge too, not just a hole in the wall. Very much so. Um that was our after service bar all the time at the Revelry. Um so I do miss that. Um, but I gotta say, Salinger's has has taken over and filled that spot for me now as our new neighbor. Um, I don't really get days off, but when I have time, I love going to Rocco for dinner. Yeah, I've um, you know, you know I've been spending a bit more time there recently. Um, I just had um, it's it'll be out before this one comes out. So um, I had Mark Mark over a few weeks ago. Love that guy, great guy. Great and show. boy, I I really enjoyed talking to him. One of those places that I never spent that much time, mm-hmm. but getting to know him more and going in a few more times, I'm really, I'm really enjoying uh, spending time over there. I would sell my soul for his budino every day. You know, God, it's it's one of those things, and it's weird. I ha- I hadn't had it before. I had somebody else's take on it, mm-hmm. uh, which I love. This was um uh, Paul Vroman's take over at oh yeah Aunt Rosie's. Mm-hmm. Um, which I absolutely loved, and then I I had what Mark had over there. I'm like, oh, right, got it. This is this is where that came from. Yeah. It's and it was it was definitely inspired by that. Yeah, they were both perfect, but I was like, oh, wow, this is this is an amazing dessert. Love that dessert. It, it's love just, that restaurant. I I don't get to go there as often as I'd like to, but that was that's definitely my my go to spot for sure. Yeah. Um, you know. Wherever the wind blows me, I go to, it seems like. Uh, Tampa Mallet, I love going there. Uh, Joe McBain's been a, a great friend and a, almost a mentor, I would say, in this whole beer game. Yeah, and they they kill it so hard on the beer front. It's it's hard to overstate how good they are at it. It's so solid over there. Food's always solid. The beer is always amazing. Joe's a great guy, so I always enjoy going there. Yeah, I mean, you grew up here. Where are there any nostalgic places that you enjoyed that are still that you still like? Uh, I still always will have that soft spot for dinosaur barbecue. 
I you just know was what? there the other day. I just that's always been my go to. Growing up, thirty minutes outside the city, we always like I didn't know how to get anywhere else when I was in high school other than get tied to dinosaur. That was right. it. like our, that's the only place we know how to drive drive to when we were kids. Yeah. And um I still love going there all the time. And you know what? I mean they're they're a very solid place. And yeah. When you're when you're a kid, it, that vibe it engages you so deeply into restaurant. Yeah. Um it it hits so hard when you're a kid. It's like, "Oh wow, this this is cool." Um it, it was I remember even in college, I remember going there I'm like, "Wow, this this is a cool place." Yeah. I've always it's just always been so good. Yeah. And they're continuing to, you know, continuing to do their do their thing there, right there downtown. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that place. Love the good old Tony D's. I used to go there a lot. Um, Sunday sauce, greens and beans. Ooh, it's good. Yeah, and Jay's Jay's killing it over there. And does a great job over there. Yeah, and the the kind of uh, I'm still amazed at the kind of volume they do at that place. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those places. I'm like, uh, how how do you how do you do that? How, I, how, I don't know. How do you do that every day? I think I've asked Jay that. I'm like, how did you do that every day? <laughs> like, you guys, you guys have like a a print shop in the back, just printing money. Like, you guys were so. <laughs> it's just, it was always so busy there. Yeah, one basin being right on the water too. So busy. Um, and I think that that's one thing that you know I've seen over the years. All the places, most of the places that sit on the water. They'll bring in people, and they don't have to be good at food. Um, yeah. And there's there's a fair amount of places that do that, where you're like, oh yeah, we're on the water. Yeah, that's what we got for you. And they they were always trying to they serve their crowd perfectly. Yeah, uh, with the kind of food they do. You've seen so many places come and go in the Cornhill area. Yeah, but Tony D's has always remained, and they're always busy, and they're always still solid. And it's kind of a shame. I I love that. I really enjoy that area right there, mm-hmm. and I think there's there's still opportunity to do something there yeah. that can stick. And I just don't know what it's going to be. I don't know. I, I hope something does. I really do. I'll see why it wouldn't. I mean, it's a great spot. It's an, it's right next to everything. Yeah, I mean, you can walk to the arena from there and yeah. everything else. I'm I, I was I was very disappointed with some of the places that were in there for a while, and it's it, it, it's it's a shame. Because yeah. there's there's a lot of opportunity there still, but I think that's that's the case with a lot of Rochester. I think there's a lot of opportunity left here. You know, I and you've definitely seen that resurgence in the city. Like, what would they say? Like seven thousand people moved to Center City, and they expect another three thousand by year's end or something like that. Yeah. Some crazy number. And you know, this interloop project is really exciting, especially for us. Um, I can't wait to see what they do with that and how it actually transpires. Um, there's a lot of cool revitalization happening down in Center City. I mean, because you want people walking to your place. Absolutely. You know, the Eastman School is awesome. I never realized how much of an impact it has down there until being down there. Um, but the students are everywhere, and there's there's a lot of life down in the city. and it's, it's really cool to see it. And that's in the winter. In the winter. Imagine how much life there's going to be. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> in the summer. I mean, it's going to it's gonna be cracking, man. Yeah. That's the goal. Oh, well, I'm glad we actually got... And by the way, we actually met for the first time first when he time. walked into my house today. <laughs> after, after all the years that I've known about him. And... <laughs> I can't believe this is the first time. I, I'm, I, I'm actually shocked. Because... Well, don't I, want it to be the last time. No, I, I'm going to try. Okay. Um, it's, it's one of those things like... You know so many people, and I've heard such such great things about you, and it's like, oh, oh, I've never actually, I don't actually think I've seen you before. I don't think so either. <laughs> Which is really I told weird. You I don't get out much. I mean, I spent time at the Rev too. <laughs> I mean, when you sit at the bar, because I always sat at the bar. Yeah. Um, I ignore everybody around me because the vibe of the bar at the time was really not me. <laughs> I, I like talking to the bartenders. Like yeah. I loved, you know, Zach and Sarah, and oh, yeah. you know, uh, meeting Donnie back in the day when he was there. I mean, John Carroll playing <sighs> instruments. Yeah, were, those were very interesting those were the fun nights. Days. Uh, very interesting nights there. I had way too many late nights there. It was kind of hard not to. No, once once Seal came on, Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> once I started playing, you knew the party was starting. And it was weird. I started drinking when the Rev opened, basically. <laughs> 
And what a place to learn. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're in a good you're in good hands for and, sure. Yeah, I lived not that far away on uh, off of Culver right near uh, right near where Trotta is in the armory. Yeah. So it was like a quick hop skip and a jump over there <laughs> and I, I learned a lot there. Good. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, sir, a pleasure. Always. And uh, again, throw out some plugs for, for the beer garden and uh, where can people find you on social media and things like that. So you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Unta Beer Garden, or on their website, untabeergarden.com. Um, we're at 120 East Ave, former Victoire. Open. We're open every day. Every day. Uh, lunch service, 11 to 3, and then we do a pretzel happy hour from uh, 4 to 5 at the bar, and then dinner, and then Sunday's just brunch. So Sunday's 11 to 3 brunch. Get a little bit of an evening off. It's a half day, we'll call it. Um, but yeah, brunch is fun. We love it, and uh, we hope to see more people down there for it. All right, Derek, a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for coming over, buddy. Absolutely. Cheers. See ya.